you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit bostonproper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. The Around the NFL Podcast. Can't afford the number switch. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I come to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. Man, this number-changing business. Wild. We're going to get to that in a little bit. Um, uh, but first, listen, it is May 25th, boys. We have been doing this long enough that when a, a, a real news story pops up this time of year, we, we need to take advantage of it. Milk it. Milk it. Because I don't want to talk about Tim Tebow. I don't want to fight with Greg about Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> I just want to talk about it. When you have the chance to talk a legitimate football news, Involving a future Hall of Fame wide receiver who is going to be on the move. We're going to die right in, baby. <laughs> and we're going to do it with help. I was That was your opening, Mark. But uh, we're still working on the chemistry <laughs> 10 years in. You know, um, sometimes like yeah. I, I'm watching us on screen here. I forget that I'm even in the show. <laughs> I'm just watching the screen. So I, you're right. I completely dropped the ball there. So to dive in on this juicy saga between Julio Jones and the Falcons, we need to bring in the man, the myth, the legend. The guiding compass of NFL Network, and also with that little side hustle with the Atlanta Falcons. He won't tell me his salary with the team. That's fine. We moved past that. Steve Weish, what's up, buddy? Welcome back to the podcast. I told you it is more than what you're getting paid for doing the Around the NFL podcast. <laughs> more, big, more than big what, range. and more big range, and right, and more than what Jim Trot and I are getting paid for the Ooh. on hiatus. Huddle and flow podcast. Yeah. Well, people, you're giving people time to catch up on the old episodes. You know, yeah, episodes. that's what it is. That's I'd say your timing is. though was um, impeccable. I mean, the, the Falcons tend to be kind of hushed and silent sometimes for years in a row. You you land there, and a, the major NFL story is bubbling up out of there like a volcano. Good timing. All right. Yeah, how so, about that for cover for Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and we'll get into Aaron Rodgers in a little bit. But uh, Steve is going to talk Falcons with us here. And um, let's just set it up real quick. We It's been percolating. Julio Jones may be on the move. Falcons are cash-strapped. 
Julio might not be happy. Steve Weiss has been reporting this, uh, letting people know that this is something that can be happening uh, any moment now. And now um, Shannon Sharp is the co-host of a program called Undisputed on FS1. And um, this is what happened on their uh, Tuesday morning or Monday morning show. You watching Julio? I really hope he answers here. I got you. This is your favorite uncle. What's going on, bro? Man, look, you want to go to the Cowboys, Julio, or you want to stay in Atlanta? Oh, man, no, I'm out of there, man. You He's out? out. He's out of there. There's a version of hell for me, by the way, where it's me having to watch a Skip Bayless uh, talk news program that's about Cowboys uh, speculation at all times. But that's beside <laughs> the point. Steve, as a capital J journo, first of all, let's just say that where, did, where do you stand as a journalist, how that all played out? I don't even know if Julio Jones knew he was on television. He was in a car, uh, and he's he's giving information up to Shannon Sharp. Where did that land for you? Well, first off, guys, I mean, you know, we've dealt with pro athletes long enough to know that that is a very kindred fraternity. There's no way that was a blind phone call. There's mm-hmm. no way. I mean, okay. I'm just I'm just thinking about – I mean, just think about all the guys we deal with. There is no way that they would do that on live TV. I mean, th- that is – very Jerry Springer stick. And, right, but let's, know, Shannon, let me just say this. I'll play devil's advocate. He's he's Julio's in the car. He said he's driving to meet his brother. Shannon yep. calls him, dives right in, does not announce that he's on television. And you could hear the producer. Well, you don't hear the producer, but you hear the other talent on the program basically saying like, hey, hey, this this might not be what we're looking for because he might not know he's on TV. But you're saying there was a. They, that was, was a some day. WWE stuff. Here's what. Yeah. Here's why I knew it was. You know, obviously a, a setup. You know, at some level, he, he knew that at some point that because they didn't show the whole clip before. As they're going to him, as it's ringing, Skip Bayless is like, "I hope he's got." You know, like five seconds before we heard, he's like, "I hope he's got the guts to pick up." And <laughs> that was the moment where I was like, "This is WWE. He's the partner helping his his partner get over in that moment." And he went like a little too far because. The, the alternative here is that something organic happened on one of those live TV studio shows, which, by the way, almost never happens. As we know, everything's pre-planned. Uh, and what were they going to do? Risk it going to four rings and hearing Julio Jones's voicemail? No. It, on some level, he knew the call was coming. I, I believe that. Anyways, I, I yeah. mean, I would agree. I mean, look, suppose suppose Julio started cursing or something on live TV. I mean... <laughs> You know, you you never know how how these phone calls go. But no, she look and Shannon. I know Shannon. He's got incredible cachet with you know former players and current players. He is not going to set somebody up. So I, I'm sure Julio knew the call was coming and what was going to be asked. And you know, Julio wanted to clarify it because part of it was stemmed from the Cowboys part. He was taking a picture with a fan wearing a Dallas Cowboys hoodie. Uh, and to that point, today I was in a conference call with uh, Arthur Smith, the Falcons head coach, who was just like, hey. We want our players to express themselves. We want them to be who they are. I didn't see the picture, so it's no big deal to me. Mm. I mean, you, I don't think you want your Falcons players um, dancing around town in Cowboys gear. It wouldn't be the first thing you're hoping they do, but that's not the biggest issue surrounding Julio Jones anyways. No, right? no, it's not. That's not the biggest issue. The this fact didn't that Julio surprise Jones you, said, though, Steve. You, you, this no, did not surprise no, you because no, I, I feel like you had a – inkling that it was more than just cap space not saying that right. the contract wasn't a factor here 
But the the fact that I know Ian reported it, I, I think you had you know some idea here too that Julio Jones requested a trade months ago. Yeah, look, you know, I have heard for a while that Julio Jones was disgruntled. Um, I did not know that he he um, had requested a trade, but I mean, again, that didn't surprise me. And the fact, you know, going back to the draft when news first broke, the teams were calling the Falcons about a move for Julio Jones, and the Falcons were saying, "Look." We've got to fix our cap. We've got to do a market correction. Julio's the guy people want, right? He's the one with value. They're not calling about other people. He's got a big contract. We have to listen. But there was always the caveat of we've got to be careful how we handle this because Julio is a popular player. He's meant a lot to the city and a lot to this franchise. So we've got to be delicate here, which led me to believe, again, this is experience saying, Julio's probably not happy. They don't want to paint him as a jaded or disgruntled player because then that could diminish his value when people know that he wants out. So when they continue to say that we want to protect the image, they'll take the PR hit for moving a popular player um, for, a, for a salary cap reasons. Again, the whole time I was thinking there's more to this. Julio probably wants out. We've heard some of the disenchantment before. Um, so again, this, this is no surprise. And as I reported on total access last night, uh, this is no longer a matter of this possibly being a trade. This is likely or definitely going to be a trade. I would, Mm. I would ask, just ask you this, Steve, because like, let's start. So the bedrock, the foundation is we understand that Julio Jones has, you know, maybe just the marriage is over. It's they've run their course and there's maybe it's not, you know, massive issues, but it's an end point. And the Falcons, you know, some stuff that I read that they wanted to do right by him also that he's done so much for the team that there is a level of respect. Um, but let's be honest, there aren't 25 teams lining up with first-round picks. There's a gaggle of teams that fit cap space-wise and fit in terms of what they'd offer, and they just go for it. But you kind of – the Falcons are in a tough spot without a, really essentially a bidding war not really seeming to happen here. So what is this business about, like, Julio Jones wants to play for the Patriots or he'd be comfortable going X, Y, and Z? Why do the Falcons have to cater to Julio Jones on any level? I mean, is that what they're trying to do, just so no. there's a nice final chapter here? No, but but let me tell you something. And Jimmy Jones – or Jimmy Johnson, I'm sorry, taught me this years ago. Told me this years ago when he took over covering the Dolphins. He's like, look, if you've got a good player who's been good in the community, has a good image – you don't want to crap on the guy if you move him, right? You don't want to trade him to the Siberian Huskies, you know, if you can avoid it. Um, and you want to trade him to a contender. I mean, Julio is 32. He's got value, but if possible, maybe you do trade him to a contender because then that way you might get more of a value pick. Okay, let's just say it is the Packers, right? The Packers might be willing to give up a first-rounder because with Julio Jones, that pick is going to be probably 29, 30, 31, or 32. So they may say, okay, we might be able to forsake a back-end one, right, which I don't think is going to happen. I think it's going to be a two or below. But even if it's a back-end two, that's fine. But if all you're getting is a team like, let's say, the Raiders, you don't know if they're going to be middle of the pack, bad or good, you might be saying, okay, the Raiders might be willing to give up a second-rounder that could be 15 or lower or or 15 or higher, but – you know, there, it just all depends on where you think it, it's it's going to be. Just like when the Raiders dealt Khalil Mack. They're like, hey, there are teams that came with better offers than the Bears, but they felt the Bears weren't going to be very good, and mm-hmm. they were going to get a higher pick out of it. So there, there's all kinds of things that go into it, but a lot of it is if you're a new regime and you're trying to establish credibility, and, you know, look, you, just, you don't all of a sudden, okay, a guy's disgruntled, 
let's send him to a franchise that's had his issues, like the Jaguars or someplace like that. Let's try to send him to a contender. And then everyone would be like, okay, that was okay. That that really helps out in the agent world, the player world, about the perception of your club and the perception of your leadership. So you cannot overlook that element. Yeah, well, this, I, Todd, this Todd France guy sounds like he, a serious fellow, so I hear you on that front. <laughs> I also think that the, the timing of um, the trade is where the cap makes a hu- huge difference. So in the world that, okay, some teams had an idea Julio might be out there before the draft, and the Falcons clearly didn't get an offer that they thought was worth it. Well, that was you know partly because whatever that offer had to be, it had to be worth the fact that they weren't saving any money against the cap to trade Julio Jones before June 1st. If they are trading him after June 1st, uh, then you're saving $15 million in cap space, and that helps out with you know the rookies and everything else you want to do. So if no one was blowing them away in April, which I think it's safe to say, it sounds like no one was coming with a first-round pick, then it's like, well, let's wait until June 1st. Let's let it let's let it sit a little bit, or and uh, and we trade them then, and we save the cap space then. And I think what Julio Jones was doing uh, with this phone call was that he saw this all this story popping up last week, and I think at some level either Shannon Sharp th- saw an in, and I think you people aren't giving him enough credit to think that he just like sprung it on and saw an in to make some news with a friend of his or someone he knows. Or Julio Jones or someone in his camp said, like, let's start taking control of this story a little bit. Like, let's let's make it clear what we want, that we do want out so teams know. And and that's that's how that call happens. And Julio deserves, like, you know, a best supporting actor, Nam, because I you just get the feel like he's so cool in all situations that he's just got to be who he is. And that's why it just sounded like just sounded so natural. But it makes total sense now why they're trading him. I, I still don't love it as a football fan because I wanted to see that team together and score 35 points a game. But the fact that he wanted out makes all of the reasonings from the last couple of weeks make a lot more sense because it's really about that they both want out of this marriage, not just the Falcons. Do you think, Steve, that Julio Jones is on this team a week from now? Yeah. Yeah, look, and, and guys, I've been reporting this. For months now, pay attention to what Steve White's reports on Ooh. every one of your NFL media platforms. Absolutely. The Falcons are willing to take this up to training camp, right? Because mm. you know, we have this June 1st trigger date, but what's going to happen now is teams are in mini camps and things like this. So they want to see how these young guys go or guys they've acquired fit in to see before they make a move like this, right? Julio Jones is maybe a special case because he's such a great player and, he, and he's such a physical specimen. But you know, there's a lot of things we talk about, but the Falcons are willing to take this up to training camp to see what type of offers they can get. Now, they may find themselves by waiting so long getting an offer they really didn't want, but at some point this is going to happen. Um, you know, we're, and we're also saying, well, there's only a couple teams with the cap space to take this on. Does anybody remember when the Los Angeles Rams had no cap space, but then they traded away Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib and found the cap space to acquire Jalen Ramsey? Guys, let's give these general managers and cap guys credit. Right, right. Let's not discount teams from making moves. Teams can be creative on how they want to do this stuff. So, again, there's going to be a wide net cast. There's going to be multiple teams coming after Julio Jones. Again, I don't know what the compensation is going to be, but if you feel he's the guy who's going to get you over the top, teams are going to come and get him. But here's my one thing. If I was a Falcons fan, it's like I understand like you want to do the right thing, as you mentioned before. Um, but if they don't, if they're just, if teams are saying, look, we know the Falcons are in a tough spot here. We're going to lowball them. We're, none of us is, none of us are giving a first round pick. At most, it's going to be something that would never look the equal of Julio Jones. Is there a world where 
they get tough and say, we're not trading him for a, a bag of peanuts and a spoon. Um, we want more. And if no one's giving it to us, Julio Jones is not being traded. Would he just simply not play? Do you think would he would, is there ever a world where maybe the trade doesn't happen? I mean, it could get ugly. If, every, if everyone's saying we're not going to give up, you know, a, a good deal for a 32 year old guy who's probably going into the hall of fame. I don't know, but when's the last time you've seen 31 NFL teams try to collude and do something like it? There are right. owners out there who want Julio Jones to come put their team over the top. I mean, if a second can get it done, that seems like not right. that much to me. It doesn't really right. seem- we, we, we've covered this league long enough. Some team is going to do this, and it's probably going to come down to a bidding war to get it done. Look. If nothing else, Julio's got a very powerful agent, Jimmy Sexton. He's calling these teams saying, if you want him, give the, put this on the table and get it done. Well, just to that point, though, if, if this is something that's been out there for a while, Julio wanted out, if a market for, let's say, a first-round pick didn't develop before the draft, why should we assume it's going to develop sometime during the summer? What, what in your mind, changes? next year, because next year's picks are it's, left. Yeah, yeah it's, it's for futures. It's, it's futures. You, you don't know where you're going to pick. I mean, if you think you're going to be really good, again, let's say you're a team like the Colts, right? Your roster's pretty well stacked. And then you say, okay, we'll give up a first rounder next year, even a second rounder plus a third. Those are probably going to be back end twos. They're going to be back end picks, whatever round. They're going to be, and you do it. You're you're thinking differently before your current draft or your current season as opposed to future years. Plus, you know what? A guy may pop a, an Achilles while he's training. A guy may pop a hammy or something, um, you know, during off-season workouts. So, again, that's why I don't think – I think this is going to be a slow burn. I don't think this is going to happen anytime Ooh. soon. Um and frankly, you know, when it comes to veterans and things like this, I, I, I things do tend to play out once we kind of get near that that Hall of Fame game training camp trigger date. So I, I wouldn't think anything happens to the end of June, early July. Man, there's so many teams that he'd make sense. There's a great article by Mike Sando in The Athletic uh, a couple of weeks ago, kind of breaking down the analytics of whether uh, a late first-round pick um, – basically is worth more than a veteran and looking at some of these veteran trades and, you know, trying to prove statistically that more than half of these late first round picks don't get their fifth year option even picked up, which would, which right. would indicate they're not even an average starter. And that some teams, the Rams and the chiefs, but especially the Rams being the, the most notable example, it's kind of like these late round first round picks. Like I'm going to take one in the hand and, and trade them for veterans. And, and when I, when I read that article, I immediately thought about the chiefs. How about the chiefs go at Julio Jones? I mean, you got to be feeling good. You're picking up, at the end of the first round you just traded one for Orlando Brown trade next year's one for Julio Jones and fly I mean it shouldn't be that hard to do no again and again this is why I'm not counting any team out even though we look at the Rams like they don't have cap space they don't have this they don't have first round draft picks they do have like 55 wide receivers so they (laughs) they can right I mean but I mean I'm never counting a team out now a team like the Niners I I would kind of count uh, well, I mean, I don't know if I can count them out, but, you know, they just gave up a whole lot to give Zach Wilson. This is not a team that w- probably wants to get into a situation like the Rams that are constantly forsaking first-round draft pick just kind of based on their history. But, again, I look at a team like the Colts. Even if Julio's a one-year ringer, the folks with the Toronto Raptors love the fact that they only had Kawhi Leonard hmm. for half a season. They got a trophy on the case. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, these, these are all things that these teams have to take into account. I mean, he's got a tight, you know, everything I hear, he's pretty close to Cam Newton. I mean, if Cam's going to be the starter in New England and Julio's got the, you know, the Alabama connection with Saban, who's got the connection with Belichick. I, I mean, you just, you just never know. Dan's just like, oh, Jesus Christ, let's not talk about the Patriots. It's no, we, I, I, listen, that, that makes a lot they of sense. Fit, though. They fit. I think the 49ers, you mentioned them, they make so much sense. You got the Kyle Shanahan connection. Uh, you look at that 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 room, if, if he was ever added, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and Julio Ooh, Jones oh. as the alpha. That, that sounds awesome for a team that's looking to get over the hump. They're exactly the type of team that should be forsaking the future because they have a win-now window potentially. The Chargers, Greg, your, your team is another team that jumped out to me. They have Ooh. the cap space. Uh, I think he represents a big upgrade over Mike Williams, who's in the final year of his rookie deal. Uh, just two teams that jumped out to me because I looked at, of course, over the cap to see who could even facilitate it. But Steve also makes the good point. Don't just rule out teams based on cap space right now because they can wheel and deal to make it happen like the Rams did once upon a time. Ravens, I mean, they they don't have a lot yep. of cap room. But to your point, Steve, like, you know, you just shift some stuff around. I look at teams that are aggressive. I could see the Ravens doing something aggressive. The Colts fit aggressively. Chris Ballard has, you know, wheeled and dealed before, and, and they it's all about lifting up Carson Wentz. Um, the Patriots have been, you know, extraordinarily aggressive this offseason. That if you looked at their roster, you wouldn't love what they have at wide receiver. This would change everything. Is, Even is, though Belichick once told the Falcons not to draft Julio Jones, I think his opinion right. has probably shifted on that front. <laughs> that, was, that was from a Michael Holly book. I was trying to, like, connect the sources here because that was from a Michael Holly book back in the day that he did about the Falcons front office and a little bit about the Patriots front office. And, yeah, Belichick said, is there really that much big of a difference between Jonathan Baldwin, who's going to go at the end of the first round, and Julio Jones, which is not a take. I knew there was something there, Greg. Yeah, that, that held up too well. Uh, but Holly was the one who was breaking this story that Julio and camera close i'm trying to i'm like putting it yeah no they are i mean there there's there there's definitely something there but also if also if you're the tennessee titans oh yeah i mean why wouldn't you why wouldn't you make a move like this they've got all their players coming at like julio jones too there seems to be a lot of heat there i i guess i can totally ignore the cap thing but they have about half a million dollars in cap space so we, you, you they just have, have to get creative. Yeah, yeah I mean, they, they'd have to get creative. Maybe you get maybe maybe say, Julio, we'll we'll extend you two years, right? right and yeah. and they and they rework the deal. I mean, all of these things can be done to facilitate NFL trades. Seahawks have been known to uh, get real aggressive for veterans. That's what I thought too. Like Mark, which team, which front offices are not afraid to just? But haven't let they traded away like, like ninety-seven picks for? That's Jamal a good point. Adams? Yeah, they they right. only had like two picks this year, so now maybe that, they can start trading. But we're talking picks. a second rounder, like pretend it, it could be a second and a third or something less. They don't need to draft. No. That never backfires in teams. Sure. Michael Holly, by the way, also reported that Jones. Uh, believes that Matt Ryan has lost a little zing on his deep ball. You hear anything about that embedded within the Falcons, Steve Weiss? That's not that's not what I've necessarily heard. Is the uh, is, is the rub? Is the velocity on uh, Matt Ryan's pass? Look, last last that's time I checked, Matt I've Ryan was the games. It's a fact. Uh, his deep ball is not as good as it was. I think he's only thrown for like. 5,000 yards a year for like yeah, the past however many years. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's still the thing. Great, I think, but he, I think, I think his arm strength is not what it once was. I think that's, maybe, I mean, probably not, but 
you know, look, if you got guys, you can catch it and go. And that's the other thing about the Falcons. I mean, you know, they've got Calvin Ridley. And this dude, Russell Gage, I went back, I was back watching some of their film from last year. Russell Gage pretty darn is good. good player. Yeah. yeah, he's a pretty darn good player. So it's not like the cupboard is bare if they, if they decide to move him. Plus, guys, look, if they get a future, even a future mid-round second and a future mid-round third or mid-round fourth, now they've got ammo. Even if they finish around 500 to start moving up if they're back in the quarterback market in a year or two. So, I mean, all of these things are coming into play with this whole conversation. Uh, Steve, you've been very generous with your time today. I know you're a hot commodity uh, on the network side with all this going on, and you're always a great friend of the show. So great uh, a friend of the show, Steve, um, that it's time to introduce another challenge to the listeners. Uh, You did not let us down a couple of years ago when we asked for a Colleen Wolf theme song. Now we come to you, the audience again, all the musicians out there, to come up with a Steve Weiss theme song for the Ooh. Around the NFL podcast. Ooh, spicy. And uh, two, two nuggets here. First of all, uh, you're going to send your submission. It's 30 seconds or less. Do not go a second over 30 or you're done. The ATN podcast at Gmail. And Ricky will parse through all the submissions. Now, Steve, I want you to have some create. First of all, how do you feel about this? Oh, no, I'm loving it because I, I know here, – here's the great part. Because you have such a great English audience, I know they're going to hit like some banger reggae music. <laughs> I was so going to say – That's what I'm hoping for. That's what I was going to say. I want you to have some creative um, control over this. Um, and uh, is that a direction – we don't want to tell people necessarily what type of music to send in. But at the same time, uh, I want it to be a nice – match for steve and his personality so you maybe a reggae groove okay anything else you want yeah, to that, that, definitely the genre along along the mr vegas kind of you know i don't, I don't want any of the, of the culture reggae right you're well you're from st louis body. so maybe something nelly like or where, no. where's your wife from no i have, I have a, she my wife is from jamaica i'm, right, I'm much more again i'm, I'm much more settle down Greg. yes much All more right. in that line i haven't been to st louis since 1989 even though that's my shit it's, it's been a minute <laughs> All right, so something in the reggae groove, Steve Weiss theme the song, genre, yes. uh, that genre, the ATN podcast at Gmail, send in your submissions, and the next time we have Steve on the podcast, maybe we'll play some and, and figure out what the Steve Weiss ATN theme song is. A, bu- a bunch of pasty guys from the UK making uh, reggae. What could go wrong? You know? I mean, we do, do have a few listeners sleep. from the States. So. Do not sleep on the UK reggae. Hey, that's a knowledgeable, okay. knowledgeable stuff. Greg, you know your favorite band back in the day was Squeeze. Sure. <laughs> Love a little Squeeze. Uh, no, we call on all of our <laughs> listeners across the globe. Uh, maybe you have some Jamaican listeners. So let's, let's do this thing. Um, all right, Steve, you've said it all. Thank you so much. And best of luck with everything. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, Thank Steve. You. There he goes. The iconic Steve Weiss. Yeah, I just thought the um, the audience did not let us down. No. And um, with Colleen's submission, now Steve, I, I think he's earned this. I think this is uh, something that is going to really pop. Well, so it might get on, it could get on Patrick Claibon's radar. Um, you know, yeah. other friends yeah. of the show he's might definitely had more to... appearances. That's tough. Well, maybe he'll get one eventually. I think, I think if <laughs> listeners need any direction, like, is there any other personal things about Steve? I do think of Steve as you, you called him, did you call him the conscience of NFL network? That was good. He, yeah, he does seem compass. sort of like the, the president, like the, like if there was a class president of NFL network, 
uh, on air people. I feel like Steve would be the pick. Like he's sort of he's sort of the guy, right? Well, yeah, and I, I think it's good. I like that you're giving some Cliff's notes here for the audience, but I also like the idea of whoever's putting together this composition. You have to be a listener, and you have to understand Steve and his sensibilities and his background and everything, and that will take that into account. I mean, I really want to see where people when people think creatively about this, um, what comes out. I also don't think you necessarily now want, um, you know, it's going to be Erica's chore to listen to them all, but 400 reggae-based songs. I mean, if you're coming from somewhere else as a musician or a Absolutely. creative type, win them over. Maybe you win them over with something from left field. Absolutely. And that's what happened with Colleen. I, I think we went right. with more of a hip-hop theme, which is one of Colleen's favorite genres of music, but we were all over the map, and that was fun. All right. And it's not a chore. Ricky, do you do you see this as a chore or and an, an honor in a way really to to collaborate with the listeners in this way yeah i can't wait to go through through it yeah. all right I, it's like erica's like i can't wait to listen to the first eight entries and just tell you those those were the best <laughs> that's not true I what if there's 700 of them will you listen to all 700 absolutely what if 500 of them are by people who really shouldn't have ever considered music as a hobby I might not listen to all 30 right. seconds at that point, but right. okay. what if, yeah, you what know if what? 37 of them are Mark just sending voice memos to you at like three in the morning? Perfect. Yeah. Happened. It might get picked. Um, honestly. Yeah. And if, if you know anything from the Colleen submission, this is the big leagues. We have a lot of talented uh, listeners. Do not send in some chintzy, chintzy voicemail memo. I want real musicianship here. That's all right. I ask. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's do some uh, let's do some more news and then we'll uh, say goodbye. Hit it, Ricky. Former NFL star Philip Rivers returned to the gridiron tonight. This time, calling the shots from the sideline. The retired quarterback, now head coach of the St. Michael Catholic High School Cardinals, led his team onto the field for a spring day matchup at the Alma Bryant Hurricanes. <laughs> It's got to be man. it's got to be um a mind trip for these kids. Because I looked it up. Phil Rivers this year was playing for the Super Bowl um in the tournament of the NFL uh known as the playoffs uh for the Colts. Played pretty well too in the game and he walked away at age 39. I looked up over on um spotrack.com his career earnings. He earned a quarter of a billion dollars in salary as a football player over 20 seasons. Uh, and now he's the head coach of your high school team. That's wild. I'd be freaking out. I mean, you know, Brett Favre <laughs> did the same thing. And, I mean, these are legends. And, you know, maybe the high school player of today who's 15 years old, he didn't watch 15 years of Phillip Rivers, but there's it's not lost on anyone playing football at that age. Like, the incredible concept that an NFL quarterback is now like in your face at meetings and telling you to take laps quicker. And, you know, I, I would find it highly unusual to reconcile. Plus his, his son is coming up and is going to be on the team shortly. I think if he's not yet, and there, there's a, there's many more to follow, which is why he, he parked himself there and he's, he's ready. It's awesome though. That video made me really happy. I just, I love Philip Rivers. I love that. He said this was his lifelong dream. He said that too, when he signed the contract, like with a year, you know, he still had that Colts year, 
to go. I believe it. His dad was his high school coach. He said it was his lifelong dream, and he like stuck to it and and is doing it amazing. I just I just want Philip Rivers to be happy. See, it's not all about the championship. Think of all the good times we had along the way, all the joy that Philip. You know, Rivers like Greg just me. keep he just he just keeps going with the point and we're, we were like in eight minutes into a Philip Rivers appreciate. I, I love it too. I don't have to love it as much as everyone else, but I'm happy for him. He's, I just, you know, like I love, I, I don't know if he's taking a dime from the school. Probably not. He signed a $25 million contract for one season with the Colts, which a dime, was you know? an overpay by the way. He was okay last season, but if Greg's going to get in his tired points, I'll do the same. Um, I, I also want to hear, um, Philip Rivers just talking to the, the the news reporter because think about it from this perspective because I've been in the I've been in the shoes of this guy uh, covering high school sports like you're usually talking to these just like you know regular Joe guys that are in the community and they're the head coach of the football team now you're interviewing Philip Rivers here's Rivers just talking casually about high school football. I'm just looking forward to seeing the boys compete. This is another checkpoint as we head into the summer workouts. I'm not worried about the scoreboard uh, so much as this, again, seeing us compete, seeing if we transfer what we've been working on in practice to the game setting. <laughs> I just like that. What, what like, if they I've get covered, out to I've, like I've, a... I've, I've given that exact, uh, done that exact same interview for the Journal News in Westchester a million times and had that same answer, only it's Philip Rivers talking back to you. Yeah, like I, I worked for the Ridgefield Press covering the team, and I'd call up the coach, Coach Guido Maiolo, on the phone. And one week, Guido, um, one week I planted, not planted, but I talked to the, the team was really struggling. I talked to like six of the kids who were just in my science class, and like dropped this a bomb on the Ridgefield Press, like tearing the team and like a new one. And he came into the lunchroom. He's like, "Never operate that way again. I must read every article that you before you print this. Like, that's not how this works." Yes. But what what happens is suddenly Philip Rivers' team is one and five, and that. Uh, cub reporters well, going to have to deal with that. I learned I learned a similar thing early on in my time covering high school sports is because you grow up a fan of sports and uh, sports writing, and for me, like reading the sports section in the New York Post or whatever, and it's like sports are covered a certain way. And I remember I covered a high school game where the tight end had like a Jackie Smith type moment where he dropped a wide open pass in the end zone and. I believe it cost the Nanuet Golden Knights or whomever it was the game. And I, I, in my dispatch on the game, I noted that the tight end dropped a wide open touchdown pass. That was kind of the difference in the game. And the editor of the paper got a very angry phone call from the parent of the player and the head coach also called. They're like, what are you doing? Yeah. This kid's 16. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's Which a fair point. Fair. On the other, on the other hand, between. You know, in your defense, that kid, went, his career went nowhere. So yeah, he you, you, were you saw game. that. Yeah, you saw the kernel of the destruction playing. <laughs> maybe playing if, like he read that and he's like, I need to focus on being an engineer or something. And maybe he went on to do great things. Yeah, helped so him. Maybe a, a thank you note is an honor. Sure. <laughs> now you at Golden Knight, Jackie Smith. All right. Let's get into it. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Hey, how about that? He's still on the Packers. Uh, he was also on SportsCenter on Monday. Kenny Maine, a stalwart there at ESPN, recently got laid off by the company. Uh, it was his last time on SportsCenter. I was always a big Kenny Maine fan yep. back in the day. He's, he's a pro's pro and great at his job. Um, so Rogers did him a solid and appeared on the final Kenny Maine SportsCenter talking about the situation. He stressed, my issue is not with the kid in that quarterback room, Jordan Love. It's with the overall vibe of the Packers organization with Brian Gutekunst in charge. With yeah, with my situation, look, it's it's never been about, uh, you know, never been about the draft pick uh, picking Jordan. I love Jordan; he's a great kid. Um, 
you know, he, he a lot of fun to, to work together. Uh, I love coaching staff, love my teammates, you know, love the fan base in Green Bay. It's incredible, incredible 16 years. It's just kind of about a, a, a philosophy, you know, and, and maybe forgetting that it is about the people that make the thing go. It's about, it's about character. It's about culture. It's about doing things the right way. You, you found this a bit strange, Greg. Well, I think he was trying to an- somewhat answer these questions without saying much of anything. I mean, it went on for a while, and parts of the interview were great. You know, Kenny Maine was great, and Rodgers was great too. But the part about the Packers, it's like, I don't know what he was saying. He basically was saying, yeah, he loves everyone except for the front office, I guess. It was, yeah, that, but if you're going to be so indirect but obvious about it, I don't know. Why not just be direct? Why is he just like – talking around this whole issue and he went into this whole long thing about culture and the people and philosophy and it's like well the the all those people you mentioned they're all still there if it's about the people like the coaches and the teammates they're they're there if it's about those people Uh, i agree with you i mean i i think he's trying to there's a bit of a you know hearts and minds aspect to this where if you're aaron Rodgers, you're in a town that bleeds football more than other football towns and like they at some point are going to those fans are going to lose their patience with the concept of Aaron Rodgers wanting out, um, appearing to be difficult, appearing to be a diva, all that business that I don't really necessarily think he is that. Um, but he's trying to, you know, not so subtly, but in a cryptic way, point the arrow back at look at it's our front office. It's our general manager that created an aura of mistrust between me and the organization. It wasn't um, the previous GM and it doesn't chart back to then, I don't think. But it's very much about the current GM, and like that is enough to create a divorce scenario. It's, I mean, it's just to me the longer this drags on, I just find it, the more petty it seems. And and he even said it uh, in the main interview that he 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 believes his MVP season in 2020 threw a wrench in everything for the Packers, and that's true. That's obviously I thought that true. was the key, the key quote. Actually, and it's like you know. It's it's interesting to me that it, I think it's a little bit of a window into Rodgers' personality that there is nothing he could have done more to stick it to the Packers for this betrayal in his mind on some level than to do what he did on the field and be the best player in football and win the MVP. So everything else that's followed now just feels like a little bit of a twisting of the knife uh, to make it even more uncomfortable uh, for Gutekunst and, and the people that were behind the decision to bring in Jordan Love. And 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 my last point on this, because I don't want us to dwell on this, but I also want to hear, Greg, your thoughts on it too, is like he could say it's not about Jordan Love, it's not his fault, but it's like it's not that different what he's, what he's doing to what Brett Favre did to him once upon a time where you just put the, the young guy in a really tough situation and it's a strange, awkward way to start his NFL career and it didn't have to be that way, and yet here we are. I, I mean, I totally agree with you on that, that he can he can say that. But it was about the pick. It was it was probably about not communicating and not feeling like he was, you know, valued enough to communicate the pick ahead of time. But what I, what I think is if the reporting is correct and if you piece together some of what Ian Rappaport has said in Schefter and then a little more directly what Charles Robinson of Yahoo said was that after this MVP season, Roger said, give me a contract extension. And when they said no at that point or that they didn't like the terms of what they wanted, that they just wanted to renegotiate or they just would guarantee this year but not move it into the future, that's where it went DEFCON 5. And if he's so worried about the PR angle of it all, I would just say that 
Because that, to me, makes sense. Like, I just won the MVP, and then I asked for a contract extension. Okay, you wanted to move to love, but at this point now, it's clear I'm not going anywhere in terms of my level of play. Now I want you to commit to me. And if it's true that the Packers, at that point, this February or whenever it was, said, no, not really, I, I, you know, you, you don't blame him so much. Just, just no. put that out there if that's true. I, yeah, I wish he would clarify that and elucidate that for the people because it is still sort of this thing where it's elongated. It's kind of mysterious because we don't have all the reporting on it. But I'm completely with you because I think you've got a schism here where the other parts of the front office probably are saying, what are we doing here? Why would we ever part ways with Aaron Rodgers? But there's other figures saying, we drafted Jordan Love, and what do you do? Not play him for three years, and then you have to decide on a fifth-year option? It's like you just have to chalk it up. It's a completely missed um, draft pick, we, essentially. Or do we fire our general manager, who we right. like, just to keep the franchise yes. star happy? That's Keep Jordan yeah, Love you, on ice. It's not the Greg, end of the world. You say, yeah, but I think the, the problem is that like that's a weird organization that doesn't have like a powerful owner that would just come in and clear clear all this up. I think it's a little bit of a trickier type organization with the Mark Murphy angle and your general manager who has power went and picked this quarterback. So I don't know if, if it's quite as simple as I think you keep Rogers above all, but getting there is tricky. It's just like they're stuck in it on a different path connected to Aaron Rodgers up there in Denver. OTAs have begun and you know that Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater are involved because they're trying to win a starting quarterback job. In fact, Vic Vaggio uh, plans a 50-50 split of reps all through the summer and preseason before he decides which one of these guys is his quarterback. Of course, Aaron Rodgers has been connected to the Broncos um, uh, during this process, during his fallout, Rodgers' fallout with Green Bay. Locke was asked about it this week and he said he spent so much time some interesting lock quotes he's kind of, he's a bit of an interesting guy here uh he makes for good copy lock said he spent so much time this offseason working to improve including consultations with peyton manning look out uh that it, it uh led to him quote being able to do being able to do that gave me zero time to listen to all this stuff Maybe one day I'll go back and read and laugh about all the things that were being said that ended up being completely wrong. And then <laughs> and then before I throw it to you guys, this last part, which was interesting to me as well. Here's another quote from Locke. Locke. I'd like to think the reason no one has said anything to me is because those are probably the really close people in my life. And they understand it's not worth their time either. Whatever happens, happens. And if anyone did say anything to me, it was zero text back or no callback because they are probably not even in my tight, really tight circle. Oh, and he, he, he added that his father, Andy, Andy Locke, good name, will tell him if he has seen a Broncos player on social media offering support for Locke. All right. A lot of information there. <laughs> That's I know why luck um why Locke's been icing me on my text this summer. I've just been sending him all these gifts of Aaron Rodgers doing the uh you know the the State Farm belt or whatever, you know, I just see he, he never responds. He has no, his dad yeah. on social media watch to make sure his teammates are saying nice things about him. That's interesting. I don't know. Well, I think thing. it's I think it's too it's pretty uh, funky. Is he is he make he's like forcing those players to say nice things or he's like if you happen to see a player supporting me ping me dad that's what Don miller kind of supported teddy bridgewater i noticed i wonder if that got on his radar he was kind of 
He, he was <laughs> like, you know, Ted, Teddy came in here and just said, don't worry about everything else. Just play. Like, we got you to play. And, and he, he said some things about Locke, too. But I, I bet in the, in the defensive huddle, there might be some of that going on. Like, hey, let's, let's have a quarterback that, if nothing else, just doesn't turn the ball over and, and lets us go win the game. And so that, it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic. To right, watch. except every single player on the team would, would be like absolute green light yes to Aaron Rodgers if that became a thing. Oh, I mean, of course. But I think between the two, Teddy offers you more. Like there's, he's got these players, you know, look at each other differently, and he's got way more street cred. I mean, Locke is just in, locked in a athlete speak mode right there with all right i never i never believe someone when they're like i didn't i haven't had time to hear any of these nonsense um, things people are saying it was like well how long would it really take you to hear that it would take you like 20 seconds you don't have like 20 right. seconds to, i'm so to locked in on my sports says, I'm career gonna, like, right i'm gonna go back and then i'm gonna read all the things people said to you that was the moment where i was like oh okay he knows exactly who's been saying what about him and that was like that was his little he said a little too much there i mean maybe the broncos are like we already have an overly complex <laughs> mentally confusing quarterback and drew lock if this is how he processes you know his daily life or you know getting overly um beguiling aaron Rodgers in there is probably just a little bit too much but this this kind of of feels like a a slightly more pumped up and just slightly more pumped up version of mike shanahan back in 2011 i stake my reputation on john beck and rex grossman it's like a little (laughs) bit higher than that big pangio is in a tough spot here yeah, yeah. He, one of those guys is going to be a starting quarterback, most likely. That's the whole the whole fifty fifty reps. We're going to do it all through preseason. That's that. That's never once worked. <laughs> it's like, that is the official kiss of death. I would I would respect it more if he was just like we're going to ride with Locke or we're going to ride with Teddy. But it's just like uh, you know that. Never well, well you know great... you know one is going to start eight games and one's going to start um, nine, and we're going to do we're going to spend like eight months you know breaking down what happens between now and August. But they're both going to play. It's one of the great Parcells-isms, of which there are dozens and dozens. If you're a young football fan, read about Bill Parcells, the big tuna. Uh, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any. Mm-hmm. In other news, so yes, OTAs are kicking off. And uh, some good uh, injury recovery news at the game's most important position in Dallas. Dak Prescott returned to practice on Monday. Uh, it was the first time he's seen this type of action since he suffered that nasty Compound fracture and dislocation of his right ankle against the Giants back in week five. Uh, So Prescott is all systems go, uh, barring some type of setback uh, for a 2021 return. And speaking of comeback player of the year candidate, Joe Burrow. This is a good one. Also back on the field. He was throwing at the Bengals first OTA. He's got a big Carson Palmer like brace on his knee. uh, But he was planting on that surgically repaired knee, making throws. This comes a week after uh, it was reported that he is also all systems go for week one, barring setbacks. Yeah, he still he said, though, that he's three months away, he thought, from being fully cleared. So doing the math, that is late into the preseason. And so being on the field, I think Dak was similar, but he doesn't have the same timeline. It's like the the rules that they have to keep players away. They're not even doing eleven on elevens now. They're they're making sure people are at least ten feet away from Joe Burrow. But they're throwing passes, and it's all it's all a good sign, and it's another sign. Football is back. Football is back. I mean, they, you know, kind he's of. throwing he's throwing short passes too. I mean, it's just yeah. like a it's a starting point. But I mean, you know, we go back twenty years, and if you tear your knee up in November, who knows when we see you again? It just all of it's been. 
you know, sped up and he looked really, I thought he looked um, nimble in the, in the video that I saw, but I, Hey Mark, the miracle of modern science. Am I right? You are right. It is. It's miraculous. <laughs> it's a good, great time to be alive. Uh, I know this isn't on our news rundown, but you know, the OTAs were started. I did find it interesting that the Bucks uh, are the only team uh, that are basically going with go. this whole NFLPA <laughs> thing. Like, cause that Tom Brady's got some juice. He basically oh, says, all I'm going to have, yep. I'm going to have my own practice. They're apparently all practicing down in Florida or something. And not one of the starters on either side of the ball showed up. Every other team, everyone just was like, ah, forget it. Let's just See, I initially Bucks, had this like theory that maybe Tom Brady gets on that call. Um, and in another world where everyone listened to what Tom Brady had to say about not practice during the off season, that everyone didn't practice because they respect Tom Brady so much, and then just the Bucks did. It would have been like that's next level planning, but it's completely reversed where everyone is practicing. The Bucks didn't show up to work. All right, you're coasting through your off season. Have a nice time with that. Say, Let's see this, how that goes. My my, uh, you know, you need fire takes this time of year on football podcasts. My fire take is the Bucks are done. No, Very clear. <laughs> Champions fatigue has, right. has set in. They won the the ring, and they're just using this as a way to skip. Uh, this very easy amount of a small amount of work they have to do before summer vacation. Uh, yeah, we're crew. We are hurtling mm. towards eight and nine. Brady well, would respond yeah, right. that whatever. I'm gonna whatever. cut that as like a quote board so they can't hear the tone of your voice and tweet it out from like around the NFL. Oh my god! says this is Skip Bayless's show every single show. Yeah. That's some out of context stuff. Yeah, but Brady would say probably respond to you being like, "We're practicing harder down here. You're not allowed to do all this stuff." Like, I've got a uh, you know Guerrero, Alex Guerrero, running you know having these guys do wild stuff down here. We don't yeah. need the Bucks. Like, oh, you maskholes! Team now. Oh, you maskholes out there. We're doing the real work. <laughs> well, I, I tell him that my job is to see things through a certain point of view and maybe not include all the facts. So he's not going to get away with that. Uh, cycling back to Denver real quick, uh, Bradley Chubb, he had an ankle issue last season. Um, they hope to avoid surgery, but he did get surgery to remove a bone spur in his ankle, which is always sounds kind of gross because that's a, a floating particle of bone. They got to take that sounds thing out. Slightly, you know, agitated. Drop it in a little jar and give it to you when you're done. It's gross. Anyway, so he'll be in a walking boot for a couple of weeks. Uh, nothing to be too concerned about. He should be ready for training camp. Uh, what's that sound, Ricky? I hear a sound. It's a. I smell smoke. What is that? Like an alarm or something? Ooh. Oh, I know what that is. That's the sound of Dallas Cowboys linebacker Jalen Smith burning uh, one of his deep, deep. Uh, people down the line of his family tree when he's long gone. At some point, the money's going to run out in the Jalen Smith family from this lucrative pro career. Uh, one generation just lost their college money because he's changing to number nine uh, and he has to pay a six-figure sum for the switch, sources told Todd Archer of ESPN. So Jalen mid, Smith goes... Mid-six figures. Mid-six. So, so he goes from... He's lighting money on fire. Number 54 is now number nine. Uh, a mid six figure cost. So what does that mean? That's like five hundred grand. Is that what yeah. that means? Yeah, six hundred ballpark. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> yeah, as we talked about on the show, and this all just seems insane. To make the move to number nine, Smith had to buy out the current inventory of number fifty four jerseys and t shirts and t shirts, which follows NFL rules. Uh, he, this is all from Archer at ESPN. Had he said now that he would change his number in twenty twenty two. 
it would not have cost him any money. So if he just would have stayed number 54 this year, he could have then switched to this number nine and not paid a dime. I'm telling you, the money's going to run out in the Jalen Smith family. Someone's getting banged here in the biggest of all spots. They're not born yet. They'll never even know. But it's all because he wanted to be number nine he's got for a three great months. Inve- he's got a great financial planner. They're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. I am I bummed so. out. I'm legit bummed out by this story because I don't think Jalen Smith's going to be on the Cowboys next year. I think there's a chance, and I know he's not thinking this, but I you think mean there's this a chance. Year. I mean next year. Oh, so that like, it's going to be a short-lived number change anyways. I think there's a chance he's not on the Cowboys this year. I know he's not thinking about he you know right. he's I had mean, a good career but there's a, a legit chance because of um you know the the draft that they had and Van Der Esch and everything like that he could be on the trade block or that he could even get cut so I I after the couple of years that he's had so that that would be like an extra bummer if he paid for all this and then he doesn't even make the team <laughs> I would assume that he's not um prancing around with that mental state though thinking no, of course I probably I won't be here you know that. I my career is on the downside but different defensive coordinator could work Dan Quinn we'll see Vander yeah, might not work. be he on might, that he team. might be great he might be great that's fair Mark you got a lot tied up in this Dan Quinn hiring well, I mean, I also think, like, how many Cowboys fans are like, uh, let, okay, Jalen Smith, but I have, like, a Tony Romo jersey, and now you're number nine. Like, what are we doing here? Like, I just, you're, oh, I didn't you're, jumping in, you're, you're jumping into, like, the rel- the one player outside of, like, Ezekiel Elliott that of this current team probably has, like, a 10 billion jerseys uh, pe- that people own around town. This, this is kind of like, you know, more like a, a big picture thing. But Dan Quinn got hired by the Falcons because he was the DC of the Legion of Boom Seahawks. Went to Atlanta. Defense in those last couple of years couldn't stop a nosebleed. Now he goes to Dallas where the, the talent, listen, tell me if you disagree, but is it that much better than it was in Atlanta? Uh, now we're going to say he's going to be a defensive wizard like he was in Seattle when he had the best defensive roster of the last 10 years. Sometimes this assumption that the head coach that gets fired and then becomes a DC again gets back the DC magic. I don't know. Well, Feels I mean, like an no, assumption right. at the highest no, it, level. It's also an assumption to assume he's going to fail. So it's like we're just two men with assumptions battling <laughs> against each other, which just tells you it's the middle but of I'm May. Just, but like that's my logic behind why I'm not saying he's going to fail. I just sometimes we just say, okay, now he's going to be fine. Uh, and he's well, going to make them right. a lot better. But I, don't, I would say this: that... he's he's under a fair amount of pressure in terms of like if he fails here, like he'll never be a coordinator again, probably. But like they put their entire draft towards the defense. Um, if those players work out, and it's a bit last year's scheme, it was the wrong scheme under Mike Nolan for coronavirus time. It was too complex. They were arguing, they were mentioning that all season long. Right. Um, and Dan Quinn's scheme is completely different, <laughs> and a bunch of players are already saying they love it. So yeah, they drafted know, a guy Aaron who was exactly like Jalen Smith at number twelve, and they signed Keanu Neal from Quinn's team uh, and gave him five million dollars to play that position too. That's a bad. That's unfortunate, and I think the disrespect for Tony Romo is unfortunate. I, mean, I guess maybe you can't retire every number and everything, especially the Cowboys. But I, it does just give me one chance to bring up one of my favorite takes, which is somehow. <laughs> Despite being like one of the most famous football players of the last two decades and on TV every week and incredibly, you know, well respected as a broadcaster, somehow Tony Romo is like incredibly underrated as a player. I, the disrespect I hear of, yeah, like Tony Romo ha- was, had a Hall of Fame chunk of his career. He w- didn't go long enough, but it's like people 
I really don't think people respect how it's, good Tony Romo you know was. He was. It was incredible. almost like the, the negative side of being uh, the quarterback of America's team. Right. And you had uh, the high-profile failures, the injuries, of course, the playoff game with the botched snap. And I think that clouds how good he was. Like, I, th- not to – who cares? But, like, I thought Tony Romo at his peak was better than Phillip Rivers. Like, or they yes. were in the same ballpark. They were in the same ballpark. And I think he Rivers is a Hall of Famer. He had about four top five seasons that, like, Matt Ryan, for instance, never had. Like, he, he, there were, him at his peak was just an incredible player. That's all. I just think there's a bunch of these quarterbacks because, you know, I know it's like you can't talk about if a quarterback wins or loses. Like, we love Matthew Stafford's tool set, <laughs> even though they win six games a year. It's like, bottom line, I mean, the, the popular thinking around a quarterback is if Romo had had, like, two Super Bowl runs, even sure. if he had just done what Eli Manning had done, he would be thought about completely differently. Stafford's I mean, a good example. It's like, don't bring up, and I, not you didn't, Mark, but I've seen it. Don't bring up, like, Stafford's name when you're talking about Tony Romo. It's like, those guys no, but, are in, but, in but, a thousand But Romo doesn't have, That's like, all. Romo just, and it's a Cowboys issue. It's not a Tony Romo thing, but he doesn't have those playoff runs. And I just think your yeah. average sports fan, like, and I don't even look down on, on their take, to be honest. Like, Romo was attached to... Like Dan said, some high concept buffoonery early in his career, and like teams that went south in big games. Um, man, I don't know, man. I don't know, Greg. I think we're on a little different page on Stafford. I think if you put Stafford on those Cowboys teams with those offenses back in the day, I think he would have shredded. I mean, there. if you know, if Maybe. you put Tom Brady on the Lions, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda. But he hasn't had. He just hasn't had remotely uh, a career like like Tony Romo did. I mean, Tony Tony Romo at his best is a top you know, three or four quarterback, four or five times in, in a, a lot of fun to watch too. Yeah. I don't take a look at their numbers too. Uh, interesting comparison there. All right. Uh, finally in the news, little transaction wire tidbit here. The Washington football team released longtime starting right tackle Morgan Moses on Thursday. Um, and the move saves nearly 8 million in salary cap space. Uh, and Moses is a guy who's going to get work. Um, because he's a guy that has started every game for this team since 2015. He just turned 30. Maybe not the best right tackle in football, Greg, but a guy that is sturdy, uh, that is good, not great, and there are plenty of bad right tackles in football, so he's going to get a a job pretty quickly, you'd think. I was very surprised. I mean, if you trust PFF's numbers, and I don't think Washington agrees with them, he's one of the better right tackles in the league for the last last handful of years. I mean, the Jets, there's a lot of teams that could use a right tackle right whoa, now. Whoa, whoa. The Jets have plenty, whoa, whoa. plenty of money. Fan. Come George on, Fant's fine. I think the Ravens probably regret giving uh, Alejandro Villanueva $8 million. That was, that was a shocking contract to me that he got that much late into free agency because if Villanueva gets $8 million, Moses is, is a better player. And some team is probably going to he, – he's a rare free agent getting cut now that will still get some good money because I think there will be multiple teams that want him. Well, Washington also released Garen Christian, their other tackle. So you've got you've got two tackles that weren't there a year ago. Charles Leno and a second rounder, Sam Cosme, is essentially your right tackle right now. So yeah, Cosme, you know, Cosmonauts. I, I remember on, it was like a week ago I was saying, oh, Washington's two lines are just so rock solid and it's, this is the Ron Rivera identity. And suddenly you've got at least questions at one of the tackle spots. Well, they must Cosme. feel good about it the in-house options here to make this move you think Cosme I think yeah. they must they must really be um, high on Cosme speaking of <laughs> speaking of love uh, that Cosme Sam Cosme Cosme 
I'm not going near it. <laughs> um, speaking of wish I had it back, I, when I was doing my brief deep dive into teams that made sense for Julio Jones, I feel like the Chargers, if they just didn't pick up Mike Williams' $15 million fifth-year option last spring, the Julio Jones thing would have been just like <laughs> perfect for them. Keenan yeah, Allen true. and Julio Jones together, and you'd have a ton of cap space. They have they have a lot still though. They are, they I was still surprised do, yeah. when you said that they they have a lot of room. That would make sense. I thought that the Moses story was going to get the old Hansis uh, edit, the old Hansis cut. It's <laughs> right. like we've gone an hour. Do we want to finish on Moses? I think we've brought some good energy, some good analysis to it, so it didn't end up as kind of the, the air coming out of the balloon like I feared, I mean, it did, but I thought it, it was getting the Hansis cut. You thought yeah, it got, was. Yeah, it got cutting room uh, floor vibes there for a bit. Had but a lot of potential. Yeah. Had a lot of potential, but then when I did uh, my due diligence ahead of the show, which I always do, I saw uh, that this was an accomplished starting right tackle, and he is going to be a value add to another team, and that just feels like something we should talk about on this program. We're we're in, we're information. We're entertainment, and we're giving you information now that you can go back to bars. Uh, if you're you're vaccinated in the United States for the most part, you can drop some major Morgan Moses takes and impress all your friends. Absolutely. Finally, in the news, this one via Ricky Hollywood, who I just I ask her to just scour the web all through the show, and that's exactly what she does. She's so plugged in, looking for news items. Um, the Food Network is paying Guy Fieri $80 million over three years in the latest deal for the um, food guy. What would you call him? I guess he's a, a celebrity chef type. Um, at twenty At $26.6 million annually. This is from uh, Joe Popliano on Twitter. Fieri would be the 15th highest paid player in the NFL, making more than people like Tom Brady, Khalil Mack, Aaron, Aaron Donald, and Julio Jones. And let me tell you something before you... Say, oh, what a disgrace. That guy's terrible. His food is bad. He's cheesy. Uh, my brother, Kevin Danger Hansis, uh, sees Guy Fieri as a hero. Like, he loves that dude. He loves his shows. He loves his energy. Um, Guy Fieri passes the Kevin Danger Hansis um, test, and uh, I put a lot of uh, faith into that. That's all I need to know. I mean, Danger Hansis has, you know, a burgeoning singing career um, based on some of his social media, but I don't, I think it's Guy Fieri is an easy target. Um, I like his little diners, drive-ins and dive show. Uh, One of Wes's those... favorite. I mean, yeah, Wes, he's fine. Wes he's... loved to, uh, you know, get a little loose, maybe uh, take, eat an edible and watch uh, some di- diners, drive-ins and whatever for about hours on end. Well, Guy they play Fieri, them, I mean, isn't he worth play them more than 20 times in a row. Yeah. Right. Isn't he worth more than Jimmy Garoppolo to the populace at large? That's like the same price, essentially. I mean, uh, he's underpaid compared to compared to like some of these left-handed relievers, you know, in the you know, Major League Baseball. I'm saying Guy Fieri's earned it. It's a big <laughs> yeah, right. Time. So we are pro Guy Fieri. It is been... Connor Orr is a huge Fieri fan. Another. I mean, that's uh, another great endorsement. Yep. Yeah. And by the way, go over all the listeners uh, since uh, Mark mentioned it. Kevin Danger Hands has put out a coronavirus ballad called Patient Zero over on YouTube. Uh, check it out. Leave a comment. Um, well, it's a, it's a banger. It's actually very well done. Um, I kind of wish it had come out like a year earlier, right at that wave of people's paranoia about the, the lock-in thing. But um, he just knocked it out of the park. But I can tell you this. Uh, that's when it was, I heard the original demo version very early in the pandemic and he worked on this thing like Freddie Mercury works worked on Bohemian Rhapsody. He wanted it to be the right sound and the right look for the video. So check it it's out. Special. 
on YouTube uh, and leave a comment if you can. All right. Good. Good show. Thanks to Steve Weish. Again, VATNpodcast at Gmail. Send in your 30-second or less submission uh, for a Steve Weiss jingle. He said he was kind of into the Jamaican vibes. Um, so keep that in mind because I'm sure that will weight uh, potentially heavily, heavily in the competition. But if you go a different path, if you believe the, the uh, you believe in the quality of your work, don't be afraid to be different. I mean, look at Queen, Bohemian Rhapsody. That, that song should not have worked on any level. It was an absurd piece of music and now it's a classic <laughs> of the genre. So just keep that in mind. You know, be your version of Blues Traveler. That's what I'd say. <laughs> I don't know exactly. what that means. I don't either. But I don't, I don't quite know what it means either. But Does that mean you have to wear a vest with like 50 harmonicas in the pockets? If that's true to your nature. I mean, I just, these singers and performers out there just better be, you know, authentic because we can right. sniff right through anything okay. that's a little phony. Exactly. Nothing manufactured will be permitted. All right. We'll be back on Thursday with another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. Thank you to everyone for your support. Um, until then, this is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm. The old boss, Steve Weish and Ricky Hollywood behind the virtual glass. Until Thursday, heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind, so you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At bostonproper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else.